What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today I am joined by Tom Freeman who is the Deputy Editor of Fantasy Football Scout and we are looking at yet another FPL team reveal. The game is live, we can tinker with our teams and the fantasy world's brightest and best can now bring you the 15 players they have chosen as part of their first drafts. Thanks for joining us Tom. How have you been getting on since the game launched? Yeah, it's been good. Um, I had a tinker last week, um, which is when I came up with this draft that you're about to see. I've taken a bit of a step back since then. Um, just been working on some other content for the website. But um, yeah, it's not. It's maybe not so much about all the players at the moment, but it's more about the structure and the price points and captaincy and things like that. So um, yeah, yeah, it should be interesting to have a look at it. Well, you've mentioned there that you've been working on some content. Um, and for those of the those of the audience who, who don't know what it is, someone in the Fantasy Football Scout editorial room gets up to on a day-to-day basis. What does that look like? Because in many ways, I suppose, uh, how much you sort of, in effect, dunk your head in a members area bucket every day uh, for eight hours a day, five days a week. Um, that's probably yeah. where a lot of your insight comes from. And I imagine there's a lot of people out there that might find that very interesting. Yeah, you know what it's like, David, obviously previously being editor of the site, that um, that tab is permanently open. <laughs> and um, you do tend to, do, you know, the, I've had people put heat maps up on, online before and without even them telling me the player, you can kind of work out who it is. That's that's how deep you are in it all. But um, it's great. It's what I've always loved doing, you know, prior to working at Scout, I've always been into statistics and um, analytics and things like that so um working this job now is is kind of perfect for me and um it's great over at the site at the moment you know pre-season is probably one of my favorite times of the year um because it's not quite once you're in a season again you know what it's like it's very very full-on um especially the past couple of seasons when there's been so many midweek rounds and double game weeks but in pre-season you get to take a little bit of a step back and really look at the friendlies and track all the players and the, the, the minutes and tactical shifts and that kind of thing. So I really, really like it and all the planning aspects of it as well for the new season. 
Yeah, I have to say I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, the preseason content, especially and, and also having had the opportunity to, as you mentioned, be involved in producing that in the past as well. It's so yeah. much fun because without wanting to, you know, bang the fantasy football scout membership drum, I mean that is a big part of what it why it is useful because you can um, yeah. go into great detail of who's playing in preseason, where they're playing, how many minutes, you know. People are probably fed up of me talking about John Lundstrom and that spreadsheet on these videos, but that's just what you get in a preseason. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're, I don't know if we'll ever get that level again of misclassification with a player, but there's still loads of little nuggets you can take from it. The preseason friend is properly really started at the weekend. Arsenal were in action. Um, Burnley and Wolves, I think, did behind closed doors ones, but we're already tracking those. And the level of detail we'll go into with it is, is better than anywhere else. That's 100% say that. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll have regular kind of reports throughout pre-season. I think you're going to do some videos as well, aren't you, David? So, yeah, it's really exciting time. Yeah, I, I have to say I'm super looking forward to doing the video on that pre-season mm. minute spreadsheet because, unfortunately, I'm not a grass FC man. I'm an analytics. I'm spreadsheet FC, whatever you want to call it. That's me. I do like the numbers. It's like the matrix in, in front of my eyes. So that's me. But, but yeah, let's, um, let's, let's shift a little bit more um, back towards uh, yourself and your team. And before we get actually into your team, one of the aspects, which you are a very humble man, Tom, and whenever I mention this, you're like, oh, David, you're, you're far too kind. But, you know, you have an incredible uh, OR history in FPL. Um, and pre previously, I think a Hall of Fame uh, top hundred, something like that. Um, yeah, uh, well, I was up to number two for number a two. period. That's right. Um, yeah. yeah, I did. I did reach two, and then it kind of dropped off a bit after that. I mean, it's very the, the guys at the top knows how, know how difficult it is because you have one kind of so-so season, and suddenly you tumble down. But um, yeah, I can always I can always say that I got to number two. Uh, yeah i mean that's much higher than i'm ever going to get to so you should definitely be proud of that but it's the thing is we were talking about before we came on as well that consistency in fpl is also really important in terms of like regularly finishing uh in, in a decent rank bracket and so you've got five finishes in the top 1k uh, and you've got another three that were also in the top 10k so i guess that's eight top 10k finishes five in the top 1k these are the sorts of things that tom is never going to say himself because he's far too humble for this but um you know it's 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 a very enviable record and um you know Obviously, anyone who's watching and listening to this, listen to this man, he knows what he's talking about. But yeah, I mean, in terms of that, that OR history, I mean, like, are there any sort of overarching principles that you felt helped achieve um, such an enviable record? I've done a Meet the Manager video, which was my first ever ever video appearance for Scout a few, few years back. And I think that's still available. And a lot of the kind of the approach and the ideas have, have remained the same. Um, I really hit the ground running playing FPL. I, I think I had um, top 1K finishes in three of my first four seasons playing because I played a bit with the Telegraph game beforehand so I could kind of take elements of that and uh, it felt like I knew what I was doing straight away in FPL. And obviously, it's got a lot more difficult um, nowadays. I think it was about 50K last year and it's getting harder, but the, the enjoyment's still there and um, I'd love to kind of get a sixth top 1K. So um, let's have a look at this draft maybe and... Uh, <laughs> And and see if uh, and see if it is. Let us know in the comments what you think. Um, but yeah, no, it'd be great to to get get a six one. I just love FPL and um, the enthusiasm's. It's never gone. I always think you know you're probably the same after playing for five or ten years or whatever. You know, will will I will I start to get a bit less enthusiastic about it? But it's just I just never do. I'm probably more excited than ever about this season. So um, yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. And let's hope we can have another good season. Uh, 
well, fingers crossed for you, because I mean, it's always good when we can mm. say that the editorial content is brought to you by the brightest. Yeah, no best. pressure. <laughs> no pressure. No, pr- no pressure, right? <laughs> well, I mean, at this point, I will try and take the pressure off. I'll spare you your blushes. I'll shut up about your our history and let's talk about, let's do a Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Everything is finished and we're back to square one. It's the start of a whole new season, right? Yeah. Here's your team, at least your initial thoughts uh, after the game mm. launched. And for the benefit of the podcast listeners, I'll just uh, run through it uh, as a squad list. So we've got in goal, we've got Pickford and uh, Virginia. So two Everton goalkeepers there. Then you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, Reese James and Nathan Ake as your starting back three uh, with Botman and Bulldog on the bench. Then we've got in midfield a five-man unit of Saka, Bermo, Rashford, Matoma and Martinelli. Like most people, the captain's armband is, of course, on Erling Haaland and your second centre-forward is Nkunku and on the bench is Cameron Archer at uh, your, your club, actually, Aston Villa. So a homegrown yeah. uh, talent for, for yourself there. So that's your 15. And we're going to start by talking about what I perceive to be probably the headline here is two Arsenal midfielders because a lot of people are kind of just really picking one and then going with Jesus. And so you've decided to opt away from the Brazilian striker and you've gone with a Brazilian midfielder instead in Martinelli and the mm. English sensation that is Bukayo Saka. So what was your thinking there with covering off uh, Arsenal with those good fixtures at the start of the campaign? Yeah, well, it was that Forest fixture, the first one, which really caught my eye. Forest were really poor travellers last year. They really struggled on the road. So it was that fixture which immediately jumped out and then, you know, some some pretty decent ones to follow. You know, they got Palace and they got Fulham after that. So I always thought a double up in attack. Um, I think quite a few people are looking at triple ups in attack, but I'm, I'm on a double for now. Um, how did I land on those players? Well, Saka, when the price list came out, I thought he was underpriced probably by 0.5, maybe even a million. I was I thought he'd be 9 or 9.5. So when he came in a bit cheaper than that, um, he just, you know, I'd be very, very surprised if he's not in my draft come, come game week one. Um, he will offer great value staying on penalties, which we expect him to. Um, the second midfield spot, um, it was it was kind of Odegaard or Martinelli. The only thing which pushed me towards Martinelli um, was the signing of Havertz and how is how is his kind of positioning going to impact Odegaard? Um are we going to be a bit see a bit of a shift in the tactics? We think he might play the kind of the Xhaka role Havertz on the left, um, but if he's a bit more advanced than maybe what Xhaka was, does then Odegaard push back a little bit deeper? And Martinelli has got that um, superior goal threat over Odegaard. I don't think anybody would deny that. I know Odegaard scored fifteen last season, but I think Martinelli is playing closer to goal and will will score more goals over the course of the season. So I really like that with him. He's a bit cheaper as well. He's only eight million. Um, I looked at Jesus, but um, I really like Nkunku, which we'll talk about in a bit. So the kind of the space was in midfield. I haven't got anything against Jesus as a pick. I like him. Um, finished the season pretty well, well against Wolves. So, you know, he can be a good pick as well. It was just in my structure, um, the double midfield worked rather than rather than going, going for Jesus as one of the two attackers. Yeah, it certainly makes a lot of sense. And uh, the, the handy thing you've got here is that there will be a lot of people who will be deliberating over which Arsenal midfielder they do have. And for you to be able mm-hmm. to say, oh, well, I've got two of them, uh, potentially helps you in some scenarios whereby, well, you just, you're just you going to have more of those players that lots of people will own. Well, I was t- speaking to uh, to Ali, uh, the uh, the reigning champion earlier on, who was saying that um, yeah. the way the pricing's worked out this year, yes, there's lots of very... Uh, 
cheaply priced players and some people are sort of complaining that they're too cheap but because there's lots of them it does mean that you're going to have uh, a bit of a dichotomy between you know there'll be like maybe 20% on Martinelli 20% on Saka 20% on yeah. Jesus 20% on Odegaard which that's what creates that differentialness between those teams and if you've yeah. got two of those midfielders that people are frantically trying to just find one for could potentially help you yeah, and you can apply that to other other players, can't you? You know, Rashford and, and Fernandez. now. I mean, I'm seeing the majority of teams I'm seeing has got Rashford, but there are quite a few have gone Fernandez. you know, for that, for the minutes and for, for the penalties. And so, and even at Brighton, you know, you've got a lot of midfielders all similarly priced, whether it's Matoma, whether it's Marsh, whether it's Gross or Nciso. So, yeah, everybody's a bit cheaper, but I don't think you're going to see... So, I mean, unless somebody has a really good pre-season, you might see a bit of variation in teams, despite everybody having a Brighton mid uh, midfield or a Man United midfielder. It might be a little bit of difference between who people go for. Yeah, and I suppose one other person who might also be someone who there may be fluctuation of and there will be very much a yes or no camp on them is the man missing from your team. But don't worry, he's missing from mine and he's missing from Ali's team and he's missing from Joe's team. <laughs> he's missing from a lot right. of people's teams, Mohamed Salah. Yep. Now, I yeah. keep sort of saying to people, I'm fed up of asking this question. I'm really not because I enjoy kind of putting him out there and watching people doing team reveals vid videos with me kind of squirm a little bit because I don't think any of us think he's a bad option, right? He just doesn't fit the structure. No. Yeah, well, since I built this, I did have a play around with a draft and I, I can fit him into a draft. It was it was more of a 4-4-2 and I didn't have Alexander-Arnold in it, but it was it was a it was a good team. And that's, I think, one of the big decisions which we've got over the next month, isn't it? Do, do you go Salah? I mean, the Chelsea fixture first, um, not quite so appealing as maybe playing them last year would have been with Pochettino coming in, but then it's that Bournemouth one in game week two. Um, so I'm certainly not ruling out starting with Salah, but I want to see maybe how they set up in pre-season with the new midfield signings and that right-hand side with Alexander-Arnold and the uh, the new midfielder whose name I'm still not going to attempt to pronounce. Um, but how the setup kind of changes with that. Yeah, I mean, that is probably in all of these drafts we look at and these one premium, well, maybe it's a two premium draft with Trent, but you know what I mean, one premium attacker. That's the the obvious, what we're looking for in a lot of them or potential floor and it's no salary. So it's just working out whether you need to get him in there or if you can cover it off by having two kind of good eight million-ish pound midfielders instead of maybe salary and a cheaper one. So that's still to be decided, but... Um, if you're not going to captain him, which I don't think I will in the first few weeks, then it raises the the question of is he going to offer enough value, and that potentially not. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and uh, it's usually encouraging when someone uh, who has the OR history that you have, Tom, is kind of thinking the same uh, way as me. You know, like well, it, I, just... I, do, I do get a lot wrong, but yeah. <laughs> so I've done <laughs> That's it. What I'm thinking at the moment. I said I'd spare you the pressure and the blushes, and I went straight <laughs> back to it. But but no, I d you're very much on the same page as me in in that mm. if you're not going to captain him for those first six, it, it it means that you need a seriously high amount of value from him to justify weakening your team in other areas. I think it's quite interesting that you you found a four four two because I think that. Um, you really do have to go with a different formation if you're going to get yeah. Salah. Um, and so I tell you what, I might give that a try because I did promise myself just to look after myself that I would make sure I tried a Salah draft. And I was thinking, how am I going to do that in 3-5-2? I'll try it in 4-4-2 now. Yeah, it looks okay. I can remember a couple of seasons I started back with a 4-4-2 and I think it was similar to in the way that I wanted to get Son in the team. And I think it was as a third premium then rather than a second. And 
it, and I think I had Rafinha as well. I can just remember a couple of years back, and I think it worked out okay. So I'm not I'm not going to kind of rule it out completely. But then you compare the differences between the two drafts, and you pick out the four or five players difference. And I think it did feel a bit stronger when I when I lined up all of the players. You're relying on Salah to deliver big time if you do it. I think, and so it's a lot of pressure on him. I think people who are included him will probably captain him. But I think if you've got Salah, you have to captain him game week two, don't you, against Bournemouth? But my kind of thinking was, I don't fancy Haaland at home to um, to Newcastle. Then I have got Alexander Arnold in this draft, who could potentially be a captain, and we'll speak about him in a bit but um the way he finished the season I think he's a viable captain some weeks which I don't often say with defenders but he's kind of changing the game a bit with this kind of hybrid role isn't he he is so. I mean in many ways he's not really a defender anymore when they're in possession he, no. he pretty much is a central midfielder and I, I mean yeah. I I keep wondering that if he plays this position all season then next season he's going to be like a 7.5 oh. million midfielder but I don't want to spook everybody just yet we'll save that for 12 months no. time I reckon <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, let's have a look at your team in sort of this breakdown of different positions and go into some more detail. Mm. And we'll start with the most okay. glamorous of those, the goalkeepers. So we've got uh, <laughs> we've got Pickford and we've got Virginia. Um, and so, I mean, clearly, you know, there's a, there's a focus on Everton there. And um, yeah, 4.5 and I think a 4 million there. So you've got, you know, 8.5 on your goalies. Is that the sort of pricing structure you'd like to have? You know, are you going to stick yeah. with backing up the starting Everton goalkeeper with his with his replacement? Are there other clubs you're interested in? What's he thinking with the goalies? Yeah, I do tend to start with a 4.5 and a 4.0, just when the, the budget's a bit tighter at the beginning of the season. And then if a wild card, you know, I tend to wild card between seven and nine most years, I think, game week that is. And then I might look to kind of change things around a bit and maybe go up to a 5 million goalie. But, but to start the season, I like the 4.5 and the 4. I think Pickford, after Deich came in, I think they kept buying five clean sheets, Everton, which was, uh, and, and Pickford, and that was the same amount as David Raya and um, I think Ramsdale as well, although Arsenal did have a bad kind of second half of the season. But I think Everton with a pre-season under Deich could be quite important because I think he'll get them drilled in that, that kind of setup that he likes. I don't think they'll leave as much space potentially next year so and he makes a lot of saves I think he was fourth for saves after Dyche came in Pickford so you've got that bit a few clean sheets maybe um or a couple of clean sheets in the first five six weeks um I'm just going to pull up the fixtures now so they've got Fulham who they did struggle against last year but um they've got Wolves at home and then they go to Sheffield United in the first four so there's some okay fixtures um, I suppose other goalies I did look at, I looked at um, Johnston from from Palace, um, who I like now that we know that Hodgson is going to be there. Flecken as well, but there's a bit of uncertainty there, isn't it? At the moment, we don't know what's happening with David Raya. We don't know if Flecken is going to be number one. And the same can be said for the Brighton keepers as well. We don't know if it's going to be Steele or Verbruggen. So, yeah, it could change. But um, Pickford's the one I'm kind of looking at at the moment as the, the best 4.5. And well, certainly of the people you've mentioned there, he's the one who's most likely to start games, obviously. And so, mm. you know, yeah. by just locking at in the, the prices, yeah. yeah, well, at the moment, yeah, because mm. yeah, I can't. Yeah. I mean, it's there was a maybe three or four years ago when there was a sort of like goalkeeper merry-go-round, and we haven't had one in a while. But the transfer market for goalkeepers right now is 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 crazy, isn't it? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Yeah, yeah, because we was writing about the new Spurs keeper at the weekend, Vicario, who's come in. Um, and again, that's a you. We're, we're thinking he's going to be number one because there's a bit of uncertainty with Loris at the moment. But he is actually still at the club. He's still got a year left on his contract. And and the Brighton keepers as well. If you can get a Brighton four point five, um, it's going to be great value. But are we going to know at the beginning of the season if they're one hundred percent nailed on? I'm not so sure we will be. So so it's very hard to say we're going to go in with a Brighton keeper. You could get them both, but then it's nine million the pair rather than 8.5 and I don't like that so um we kind of need Deserby to come out and say in pre-season who's his number one but I just don't know if we'll get that no, I, I don't, don't see why you would get that you, you're going to want to keep them competing and they're, they're in Europe aren't they they'll probably get game time both of them it just depends who's getting the Premier League games and if there's consistency with those starts um for us to pick them but uh yeah, that's who I'm looking at at the moment, Pickford anyway. Like you say, he's the, he's, he's the nailed-on option there. In terms of the 4.0, I did have a look at West Ham um, keeper Ariola, um, who played in Europe last year. There was some talk of him maybe displacing Fabianski. But again, it's an unknown. We don't know at the moment. Yeah, so. You actually read my mind because I was about to ask you about West Ham because they're another club where okay. you could get the 4.5, 4 million uh, pricing structure mm. and they're available. I suppose... Just going back to Brentford, in it's all ifs, buts, and maybes. But if uh, Raya does leave, and then you've got Flecken mm. and Strakosha at four point five and four point zero, I mean, I'm yeah. I'm actually I would probably lock that in and then not think about it. Yeah, that's, that's that's me. So I wondered if you felt the same way. Yeah, I think I do because Brentford were really strong at home, and I think they start with four home in the four home games in the first six. But yeah, they've got Tottenham, Palace, Bournemouth, and Everton, and in the first six, and then they go to Forest, and then they've got Burnley at home after that. So that's a really good. I would feel probably feel a bit more confident because Brentford are a known quantity, whereas Everton, we're we're hoping for improvement on that side of things under Dice. But yeah, I mean, getting Flecken and Strakosha for eight point five. Brentford number one guaranteed each week. That that's great, isn't it? So um, that's another one to keep an eye on. I mean, there's plenty of reason to. to we were talking about preseason earlier, but this is all good. To, we're going to hopefully learn this over the next month, and that's why it's so important going into game week one that you're up to date with all the info. Yeah, absolutely. And well, in terms of other things that are available on Fantasy Football Scout, I've had uh, the season ticker up on the screen whilst we talk through the early yeah. fixtures for those goalkeepers, and that is super important for. Mm. make sure you're planning for game week one so you know uh, who you can benefit from the good fixtures in the first three or four game weeks but then also planning in loosely when those transfers are going to be and you know with the um, interactivity that it provides as well so you can sort by best uh, attacking fixtures defensive fixtures plan fixtures you can plan some rotations as well I mean I've got to say I mean this is probably one of my favorite and most utilized sections of the members area I don't know about you Tom yeah yep season ticker absolutely um I was going to say, I use a lot of the custom tables as well, which I don't know if people are, or everybody is aware of, but you can kind of go in and you can build your own custom tables and pull out the stats that you like. If you're into your expected data, you can go and get your XG and your non-penalty XG and all that. If you're into more, you kind of straightforward shots, created chances. Um, I've kind of gone in and built like goal threat tables, creator tables, where you look at all the kind of creative metrics. And if you're a bit geeky like me, it's the kind of thing you're, you, you look forward to on a Monday morning when you open it up after a weekend's football and you can kind of kind of dive in and look at those stats and um, and take what you want from it, really. So, yeah, I mean, it's like I said earlier, I'm, I'm, I'm in there all the time and um, you can get so much out of it. Um, it really is. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, 
well, it's just another opportunity to remind uh, people that if they haven't already signed up for Fantasy Football Scout membership, that now is the time to do it. Of course, you can save up to 30% with the preseason prices. You know, you're going to have world leading preseason guide for all FPL teams, which we've already talked about. Yeah. The preseason minutes yeah. tracker, points projections, transfer planners, and drafts from some of the best managers as well. So do not forget to sign up for that. Now is the time. Let's get back to your uh, team, Tom. Let's talk about the defenders now. Um, we've got Trent Alexander Arnold, Reese James, Nathan Ake, Botman, and Bulldog. So um, three of the more um, I'm going to say of the more premium defenders because obviously Trent is very premium James is premium yeah. Ake is maybe just straddling the fence somewhat being 5 million mm-hmm. uh, and then a 4.5 and a 4 million so a nice uh, array of different price points there um, let's start with Trent I'm guessing you think he's almost essential <laughs> well I don't I don't know if he's essential this year because there's so much value in that kind of 5 to 5.5 million bracket I mean I've put this draft up here and there's no Arsenal defender. There's no Luke Shaw. So you can, you know, I don't think he's essential, but I just remember how good Trent was after that positioning switch when he went inverted. I think from game week 30, it happened last year and he got seven assists after and created a lot of big, big chances after that. And uh, so it's that, you know, can he hit the ground running again um, in those opening weeks? And, uh, I don't really want to play an early wild card this year. I mentioned it earlier. I'd like to get to kind of game week eight, game week nine before I have to do that. And if you don't start Trent, then yeah, you can bring him in in probably two or three transfers. But I just feel at this moment in time, I feel a bit more comfortable including him because yes, the first three fixtures, well, either side of game week two aren't aren't great. But after that, there's, there's a good run, you know, from game week four, he's got Villa, Wolves, West Ham, um games where I want I want Trent so eight million is a lot of money but if he plays that hybrid role throughout the season he's he he can get 15 to 20 assists I'm sure of it playing in that position so I kind of want a piece of that for for eight million so um yeah at the moment I'm kind of thinking yeah I am going to start with him yeah Certainly makes a lot of sense. And yeah, he's in my team mm. uh, as well. So certainly uh, preaching to the choir in terms of what I mm. think, but hopefully mm. preaching to some people out there without Trent, you might you might save him a few points. Let's talk about Rhys James because he's maybe, mm. um, well, he's not in everybody's team. He's not in my team at the moment, but mm. there's encouraging signs in terms of what is going to be available uh, for Chelsea this year. New manager, some new signings as well. Yep, Pochettino coming in. Um, we're expecting him to move to a back four, probably a 4-2-3-1, which is what he favoured at Spurs. I think he would play a 4-3-3 mostly at PSG, but different personnel available. I think you look at the Chelsea squad and um, they can certainly play that back four. There may be a little bit light in midfield, but um, I think Enzo Fernandez and probably Gallagher will, will slot in there in that, that kind of pivot unless they bring in somebody like Casado potentially. Um, but I think the good thing is with 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 James is that when Pochettino was at Spurs, he had a lot of joy with his fullbacks. You know, you look back and you think Kyle Walker, you think Trippier, um, even Ben Davis. Um, I think he got seven assists in one season playing under Pochettino and he only got something like 20 something starts. I think it was in 2017-18. So he's got a history of these, these, these fullbacks, even if they're in a back four, getting high up the pitch, supplying the width with the attackers getting a bit narrow. So I like it. And I like the fact that they haven't got Europe this year, Chelsea. And we've seen before um, how much of an impact having a whole three week for Pochettino to prepare this team for the weekend match, how important that can be rather than having to travel around or Europa League on a Thursday night, get back on a Friday, play on a Sunday, just having that whole week to be 
at Cobham and working on working on the tactics and working on the shape of the team, I think that will really benefit them. And those fixtures from from game week three um, are really tasty for East James. So I'm thinking of starting with him. I get people don't like him because availability. Um, he only started 14 games last year. Um, I think the season before and the one before that, it was over 20. Um, it was 20-ish games he started, I think, in the two pre-season ones before that. But, you know, if James if James gets injured in game week four or five, we've got transfers and, um, you know, we can remove him. It's not ideal, but um, that can happen to anybody injuries. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he won't stay on my team throughout the season because he will be injured at some point. But for now, I think I prefer him to Chilwell because there's a bit less competition on that right side. Um, I think Chilwell's got Kukurea, he's got Lewis Hall, who played really well towards the end of last season. I think Chilwell's going to be first choice, but there's maybe a little bit more competition than on the right, where there's just the new chap, um, Gusto, who was on loan at Leon last year. But he's very, he's young, he's raw, he's 4.0 million, um, 4 million. So if James were to get an injury, that might, you know, make him an interesting pick. But yeah, I think I favour James just a little bit over Chilwell at the moment. Yeah, you're right to mention that fixture swing as well. I think anyone going mm. early on Chelsea, I think will definitely get the benefit of perhaps maybe getting a bit of extra money in the bank because everybody flocks towards the player that they already had. Um, and then, mm. you know, um, you're free to... Whenever, let's say you've got Rhys James for game week three and everybody else needs to get him because he did so well in game week one and two. You can then go and find yourself new players in other areas of the team and just stay kind of ahead of the crowd because I think that Spurs mm. and Chelsea especially have the possibility of offering that potential to anyone who is, you know, brave enough or bold enough uh, or even just smart enough <laughs> to go with Chelsea from the off. So it could, it could be a, a good tactic for sure. Um, let's have a look mm. at uh, Ake then. So um, he, I've seen him in, increasingly seeing him as the chosen Man City defender. Uh, in some teams. I went with Stones originally, a few other people did, but I, I've switched mm. to Shaw now, for example. Um, yeah. uh, but but Ake seems to be uh, earning a bit of uh, attention. Would you say he is... Um, well, I guess the question is, you clearly want to be invested in City defence. Is Ake a placeholder mm. until we know who the most likely starter is, or is there something about him that you particularly like? Well, I like the price, for one, because it's 5-0 for a Man City defender. We know how good the fixtures are at the start of the season. We're talking about the treble winners, best team in the country by quite a distance. So getting into that defence, I think, could be important. Um, but five point million for Ake and that new system they're playing when he's on the left of the, the back three. I think Akanji maybe covered for him a bit last year when he when he when he got injured. But I do think that Ake, what he brings to that role is really important. He's got that speed and that physicality, but also that kind of a ball playing ability that Guardiola loves so I think that he'll be a good pick there and I think you'll I think at the moment it'll be first choice now if they bring in an additional centre back which has been talked about um, we may need to look at that again but personnel stays the same that it is now then um, I think Aki's a, a really nice way into that defence who will play most weeks and if he doesn't if he doesn't play hopefully what well, he's not the kind of player who will come on as a sub um and then you can get your, sub, your player off the bench as a replacement. But uh, at the moment, yeah, I looked at Ake and I looked at Kanji and I just think maybe Ake is a little bit more secure in that position. Whereas a Kanji, you've got Kyle Walker, you've got Rico Lewis, who's maybe a bit more comfortable on the right than the left. So that was my thinking with him. Yeah, nice. It'd be interesting to see you, obviously, with preseason as well, if that helps us uh, pin mm. down as well. Um, so let's look at Botman and Bulldog, who are currently your budget uh, bench uh, 
assets. Now, what I'm liking about seeing Botman in a lot of people's teams is that it's probably unlikely you're going to start him from the off, but I suppose you've got that mm. option to hold on to him until Newcastle's fixtures turn. Yes, exactly. And I was a bit wary. Everybody's flocking to him because he's you're getting a 4.5 million defender for a Champions League quality defender. Newcastle did very well defensively last year. The only thing I was thinking is when those fixtures turn in game week six and they go to Sheffield United, Newcastle, am I going to want Trippier for that run, which is really good for Newcastle? Got four or five really good games after that, I think. And if I've got Botman, do I want to double up on them? And that was my only hesitation with that, um, with going with him. He's in for now. He's, it's hard to argue against the value he's going to offer at 4.5. But that was my only thinking with with Trippier and looking a little bit further down the line. Um, do I want him? But um, yeah, he's in for now. And yeah, the fixtures do good. Maybe I could double up on them because the fixtures are very good. It depends how we think Newcastle are going to do. I mean... David, do you think we'll see the, the the same kind of clean sheet output as last year? Do you think there'll be a bit of regression as they balance Champions League, or what do you think? Oh, I, well, I, I whenever I am asked these kind of questions, I I always go with the the geeky cop out and say there's two parallel universes here: one where they really take to the Champions League and they they, they build on last season and are able to keep the defensive returns doing well, and there's also a parallel universe where the just the added hectic nature of a European yeah. turnaround week is something they're not used to, and it makes it very yeah. hard for them to prepare for games i suppose if i was mm-hmm. being asked uh for an answer and there was some level of threat involved like maybe if you had a gun pointed to my head <laughs> then maybe i'd say the signings that they're making or at least the signings that they look like they're going to make uh past obviously getting tonali as well i think that we will see them offer some value this season like he's a great sign yeah. that will help really bolster their midfield so that i think is the scenario that is the most likely but i think really what me and you both need to see in terms of what we're going to want from newcastle defensively is is to see how they cope with the first six game weeks of the season. Of course, Champions League is going to come in, I think it's between game weeks four and five, I think, or between five and six, something like that, around that time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think it's five and six, but how are they they going to cope with that? Yeah, the the fact that their fixtures aren't very nice actually is a blessing, I think, for for fantasy Mm. managers because it means that anyone who's going to take a risk on that, that, they're not going to be a particularly large group of people. So in effect, if Newcastle do surprise everybody and start well, despite the bad fixtures, it's not going to damage you to be not having a piece of that pie. And by the time that the fixtures turn, you will have a much clearer picture and you'll be able to answer the question, do I want to double up on the defence? How has the European stuff impacted? So I think we're quite fortunate there in the way the fixtures have fallen for Newcastle, I suppose. Yeah, no, I think I'd agree with that. And um, so, yeah, Botman's in for now. Happy with it. I mean, even if they're not, they really, for Botman to offer value, they don't need to be that doing that much because he's 4.5. Even if there's a bit of regression, he can still do well. It's just trippier in my thinking. If they are looking good in those first four or five weeks and uh, do I want to, is it easy enough to move to him? Because obviously he's had a price hike. He's up to 6.5 now. So um, yeah, that's something to think about. But yeah, yeah, Botman's the 4.5 of choice at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move finally down to the 4 million then. We've already talked about 4 million Sheffield United defenders. Now, it's unlikely that George Baldock is going to be anything like Kalmanstrom, but it does feel quite nice. It feels almost like putting on an old coat that you'd lost a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that fits quite nicely. A 4 million starting Sheffield United defender is quite exciting. Yeah, I've seen quite a few people say, is he going to be a starter? And um, I'm not a Sheffield United fan. 
And there's there's Bogle there as well who can play that right wing back role. But um, from speaking to the contributors that I did for the promoted series, who are um, who were very 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 good, they watched their team week in week out. They were they were pretty bullish on on Bolduc starting. They they both said he's not a great crosser of the ball when he gets into advanced positions, but he's a pretty solid player. And I think um, even uh, FBL Blades, who, who helped us out with it, um, was one of the two contributors. He he said that, you know, even at 4.5, he would consider him. So when he's come in at 4.0, that kind of immediately piqued my interest. Um, I don't I don't think Sheffield United are going to spend much this, um, this summer. I saw an interview with Billy Sharp earlier. He's not going to be playing there next year, but he said that the, the manager doesn't think he's going to get many players in. So it probably will be Baldock and then Bogle as backup, I think. And um, that might develop in pre-season. Maybe we'll get more, more info about that. But for now, 4 million starting Sheffield United wing-back, um, that holds more appeal than me than maybe somebody at Burnley um, or Luton or something like that. I think, I think Baldock would be the player I would kind of slightly edged towards yeah and I suppose that we you mentioned obviously Burnley and Luton uh, Bayer at uh, Burnley is, is a sort of ball playing mm, centre back yeah. he's affectionately known as Beckon Bayer at Turf Moor that's the total sort of player he is he's going to possibly get bonus points for passes and things like that on the odd occasion where they keep clean sheets potentially but in terms of positionally it's not very exciting in comparison and then Bell at Luton is a left-sided mm. centre back who might not even necessarily start because it sounds like Anderson might play that role Anderson also yeah. is a 4 million but in effect you know it's a bit f- Sounding more and more like a 50-50 from the conversations I'm having with people and what I'm reading as well. Uh, so less exciting yeah. there. And then, yeah, um, the, and the thing about, well, this is to stick the fixtures back on the screen. Sheffield United's fixtures, they're not like amazing, but they, they sort of pop up with a decent fixture every now and then. So game week one against yeah. Crystal Palace, game week two away to Forest, game week four at home to Everton. You know, they are sort of slotted in like jigsaw prongs with other pieces with Man City at home, you know, Spurs away, Newcastle home. So really horrible fixtures and some possible ones you can maybe chance at getting a clean sheet. So a four million yeah. defender in there. It, it, it's a bit like win-win. You know, if you put the 4 million guy in to start in some of those games and they keep a clean sheet, great. If they don't, it's like, oh, well, he only costs 4 million and then you can easily bench him for the horrible fixtures. Yeah, let's be honest. How often are we going to use these 4 million players when you've <laughs> got true. when you've got a defence like oh, that I've got on the screen and like a lot of other people have, when you've got Botman who can't even get into the team at the moment. So it's very, very rare. What we kind of want with this 4 million is to, and to game week one to, to nick a... A dodgy goal or get an assist and make a point two on him or something like that and then they'll have served their, their purpose in our, our team but yeah I don't think I'll start him very much but if he's playing and he's four million and he's a wing back that's absolutely fine oh. yeah absolutely it's all about getting uh, the money on the pitch I suppose and you've done that very well in mm. midfield we've already talked about your Arsenal guys and we've sort of already talked about uh, Rashford um, and his comparison with Fernandez. Um, th- let's talk about him in a little bit more detail. Can you see yourself switching to Fernandez at some point? Um, and then, obviously, outside of that, you've got you got Mbomo and Matoma. But let's let's start with Rashford. Um, how much of a, a, a difficult decision was that to go with him versus I, Fernandez? I suppose is the question. I like Fernandez. Immediately when his price came out, you know, got quite excited by it, and I will double up at some point. But the thing is with Rashford is he's just head and shoulders above Fernandez for goal threat and the way that FPL prices his points for goals over assists immediately makes him more appealing. And Rashford's home form as well, Old Trafford last year, was absolutely excellent. And they've got Wolves and Forest at home inside the, the first three. They've actually got, I think, is it, was it one, two, three, four, five home games in the first eight fixtures? So all of those things 
led me towards Rashford. And as well, Fernandes, we don't quite know how Mount's going to impact him either. And I think they'll probably both line up as number eights with Casemiro behind, but we don't know at the moment. Fernandes did drop a little bit deeper at times last year to help with the build-up in that kind of Ericsson role. That could, of course, be Mount that does that. Fernandes could remain as a 10 or out a bit wider, but... It was a little, that little bit of uncertainty, as well as the, the Rashford goal threat, the home form, everything kind of led me towards him. And as well, if United don't have a centre forward, Rashford could start the season as the striker, potentially, if Martial isn't ready to play, which he, which he might not be if he picks up a knock in pre-season, which has happened before. So um, let's, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm close to taking out Rashford for Fernandes at the moment, but there will be double up during the season. I'm 99% sure of that. Yeah, the prices just make it inevitable, don't they? With them being able to mm. be both in your team for that sort of price. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same. Yeah. When the fixtures are really good, we're going to have them, yeah. we're going to have them both. Uh, you, the other Definitely. price points you've got either side of him, you've got two 6.5 million uh, midfielders. There's a lot of choice in this bracket as well, including even a yeah. 6.5 million attacker at Chelsea, for example. So it's a good price point to be involved in. Good to have two of them, I suppose, when there's lots of choice. Uh, and Burmo, I suppose, kind of picks himself if you want a Brentford 6.5. Um, mm-hmm. Matoma, there's more choice. Uh, what was your thinking with with these price points and these players? I mean, it's a price point which I absolutely love doing the differentials for each week's for Scout. This is where you tend to be looking. It's that kind of six to seven point five million midfield bracket, and there's loads of value this year. I mean, I love Gibbs White. Um, Brennan Johnson when he was classified as a midfielder was interesting you've got Bowen who's had a drop you've got Madison who's gone to Spurs Um, Sterling as well at Chelsea um, who's dropped down to seven so there's so many options I mean my thinking was um, Mitoma because Brighton have got that really nice first three fixtures Luton in game week one we don't know how yet they're going to cope with Europe They've lost a few players. You know, McAllister's gone. I don't think they'll get Colwell back. We might see Casado go. But do I want to Do I want kind of bet against Brighton when I don't, you know, they were incredibly in attack under De Zerbi last year and I don't feel confident enough to, to say I'm not going to go for one of them midfielders. I think it's safer to start with one given that game week one fixture. So it was Matoma for me. Um, I prefer him to, I, I went with Marsh quite a bit last year, but um maybe there'll be a little bit more rotation in his spot next year. So that's why Matoma went in. Numbuemo, um on penalties, we think, um, did very well without Tony last year. Brentford are very good at home. They've got a lot of home fixtures um, early on in the season. And it's um, if it does, either of those two positions don't pay off, then there's a lot of options around that price like we just touched on. So it's no big deal if you have to kind of shift sideways to somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly looking at Brighton to Chelsea being something I maybe do because Brighton start off really mm-hmm. well and then have some harder fixtures. So it's Luton at home, Wolves away, West Ham at home. That's really nice. Then uh, Newcastle at home, Man United away. It's tough. This gets tougher mm-hmm. around the sort of mm-hmm. time that Chelsea's get yeah. a little bit nicer. So there's, as you say, lots of stopping off and jumping on points, you know, a couple mm. of station stops uh, on the, yes. the train tracks that is the season ticker. So it's worth keeping an eye out for those. Well, we've talked about Chelsea there. Um, you perhaps maybe might not be using those 6.5 millions to, to jump onto a, a Chelsea midfielder because you do have Nkunku up front, 7.5 million striker. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you were involved in scouting him 
uh, for mm. <laughs> for Scout with the articles and the video. Um, yeah. has, has that that opportunity to look at him under the microscope helped you realise just how much of an exciting asset he is for the Premier League? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's a player that I was obviously aware of last season. You know, I can remember him scoring a hat-trick against Man City for Leipzig. And um, yeah, I, I'd seen bits of, bits of him. I didn't realize, really realise quite how good he was until I started looking into those pieces and seeing what people in the Bundesliga had watched him week in, week out had said and looking at the numbers and the, the goal output over the past couple of seasons. You know, he was joint top scorer last year and he was injured for a lot of it. Um, playing in a in an attacking Leipzig side and yeah, look really exciting. Now I think that I was hoping he would be a midfielder, um, but it's obviously not a deal breaker being a forward because he's made it into my team. So he's in seven point five million. May I mean if he's a regular starter, which I, I don't see how he can't cannot be in that Chelsea team with the personnel they've currently got. I think he will be. I think there's a really good chance he's on penalties. Um, I've seen some talk about Reese James possibly being on them, but I would think it would be Nkunku. So those fixtures in game week three onwards, which are, are really great. And um, Chelsea's fixtures turn for the worse in game week nine, which is probably a point when I'll be looking to wildcard around that kind of international break. So, um, yeah, it made a lot of sense to me. Um, Watkins, I like obviously being a Villa fan at eight million, but the fixtures put me off a little bit and I have a few reservations that he might not be on penalties next year because Tillemans has come in and Watkins isn't great at them and little things like that push me towards Nkunku. The only real other forward that I considered in that spot and this isn't based, I can't really come and say, oh, look at this because this player is going to do great. It's Solanke and I've just got a hunch that he's going to do very well under the new manager there. The fixtures aren't great though for him so that might be one later on in the season. So, I'm on Nkunku for now, um, and I do think he, I, th- I do think he'll do well at Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I have the advantage of uh, having read your article on him to then do the video on him. So I, I in effect, kind yes. of assimilated all of your knowledge. Um, I'm yeah. sure I can think of some sci-fi reference whereby I sort of like picked your brains. A little bit like Starship Troopers, I suppose. Um, and so I very much have that exact same knowledge and I feel exactly the same way as you. I'm, I'm initially just disappointed that he's not a midfield player, but at the same time, yeah. still think he can offer good value because he. I think he's just going to be so heavily involved. And um some comparison in your article, of course, to, to Deli Ali, because he's the sort of player that can play a free role in an attack, be a second striker, perhaps play as a number mm-hmm. 10, um, maybe play out wide, maybe occasionally play number nine when they need it. Um, you know, he, he's versatile um, in sort of transitional stages in, in the game as well. So Pochettino famously has got the best out of a player like that. So I'm very, very excited mm-hmm. for him. Um, I've got Sterling for now, because I think like you, that Chelsea are going to be worth investing in. But I do hope at some point I can make room for Nkunku in my team because he does look uh, very exciting but you've mentioned there Ollie Watkins as being someone you Mm. wanted to have in your team you do still have an Aston Villa striker though so don't worry you get to keep your Aston Villa fan pass for another season it's Cameron Archer at this point in all of the team drafts I effectively I'm coming to everybody's third forward and it's really funny because like everyone's logic behind having that guy is always ridiculous so like General has got Plange simply because of take the plan like his name yeah oh that was yeah I'm sure he put in his team he said he liked his name he had a good season last year General so maybe he's kind of uh, sticking to that uh, approach that he had last pre-season 
but with you it's a little bit more uh influenced i suppose by your 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 fan allegiance but that's why i'm so glad to have an aston villa fan with me in the virtual studio because i've heard good things about him in the past there's a guy i used to work with at my previous job who's also a villa fan who um is able to go and see a lot of games as well and is very excited for what the future could hold for him maybe not gonna be an fpl asset maybe this year but good future at villa for this guy well, he's, he was out on loan um, last year at um, Borough and uh, I've got a really close friend who's a, a Borough fan and he, he he likes him, but he has his doubts that if he's going to be a premier, uh, able to come in and basically lead, lead the line at a club like Villa. But I like what I've seen of him. He's had a good Euros. He, he came on, he's came off the bench a bit um, for England and this Villa at the moment, we've been, uh, well, we've signed Tillemans. Um, we're on the verge of signing Torres as well at the back, but there hasn't been any investment up front. And at the moment, really, you've got Ollie Watkins there, who's going to be a nailed on starter week in, week out. Now, we also signed Duran in January, but this wasn't an MRA signing. This was the board signing, and he came on as a bit of an impact sub. But I think Archer is probably ahead of him when he comes back in. And so if we don't sign another striker by game week one, Archer could get some minutes off the bench. We've obviously got the, the Conference League now as well, which is probably where he'll get a lot of his minutes. But the 4.5 million forward category, like the midfield category as well, there isn't much in there. So if you've got a player in there who's at least going to be getting some minutes off the bench each week, that's probably as much as you can hope for at this point, unless somebody like Balogun gets a move from Arsenal to another Premier League side, which I think is probably wishful thinking. But that a few 20 minutes off the bench every now and again might be the, the best that we get from that 4.5 forward. I mean, and that's the thing is just managing everyone's expectations, I suppose, is that this is a position that is, if you're playing 3-5-2, that is, throw away at best. Because if you go mm-hmm. for a 5.5 or a 6 million, you're not re- in a 3-5-2, you're never going to start them. So that's kind of wasting no, money. Waste. And you're probably yeah. just going to, in a world where you've got Botman and Bulldog, who we think are capable of you know chipping in with bits and bobs every now and then, regular mm. starters in teams that can keep clean sheets, you know, you, well, as you've lined them up now, you've got Archer as the third sub. So many other people I've looked at their teams and yeah, their 4.5 million striker is, is rooted to the foot of the bench. So it's it's redundant in many ways to talk about them, but also equally entertaining at the same time because everybody has some, some very interesting reasons behind having them there because you can't think of an FBL reason. That's for sure. It's got to be something, nothing to do with <laughs> FBL because he, he might as well just not bother. So yeah. So yeah, that, that's your squad. Thanks very much, Tom, for uh, for talking us through that. And of course, you know, you've already mentioned yeah. you've tinkered with it a little bit. We might hear from you later on in the preseason to find out whether or not yeah, those things good. have uh, impacted. We will be looking at the preseason yeah. match as well, so you might catch a little bit more of Tom on the channel as he uh, brings us what he yeah. spotted in preseason. But yeah, um, yeah, thanks very much for for coming on, Tom. Uh, anything else you want to add before we let these uh, fine folks tinker with their teams? I don't think so. I mean, it's early doors, isn't it? At the moment, we're going to have the prices for well, under a week now. So, um, yeah, it's more about structure, I suppose, this and, and price points and things like that. But as everything develops in the coming weeks and we get more info from the friendlies and managers start to chat and do their interviews a bit more, um, we'll, we'll get to kind of nail down those picks. But, yeah, it's a really exciting time. Writing loads for the website at the moment. So have a look at that. And, yeah, hopefully... Um, yeah, I'd love to come back on David maybe in a, in a few weeks' time as we kind of get closer to that August kickoff and um, and see what's changed since then and why it's changed and uh, hopefully we can all chat enough where we all get off to get the right picks and get off to a good start. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, that is absolutely the aim. Well, in the interest of letting you guys get off to that best possible start, we will leave you to your tinkering now and we will see you next time.
Evet.